We have uh, some similar themes uh, today as, as, we, as we had last week. Um, I'm sure you remember the homily from last week really well. Well, I'll just remind you, you know, just in case. Uh, but, uh, you know, just kind of bifurcating the, the distinction or making the distinction between justice and fairness, that God is not fair, he is just. But fairness is not necessarily something that, that we should aspire to. Remember that, you know, the, he sent the, the workers out into the vineyard and, and he basically, it's a, it's a parable about salvation, that even those who come to the Lord late can be saved, uh, just like those who spend their whole lives in service to God. So we have a very similar theme. It's sort of coming on the heels of that gospel, um, a further explanation of, of that concept. And in the first reading, we're told that God's ways are not fair. Or we're told that we don't think God's ways are fair. And the Lord doesn't say, no, I am fair. He says, you don't get it, which we should be fairly comfortable with by this time, that we don't understand the mind of God. So one of the benefits of being celibate is I get to watch copious amounts of football. Also, I blast music at all hours of the night and play my electric guitar as loud as I want to, etc. It's, it's, it's horrible, you know, watching that much football. Well, anyway, yesterday there were some great endings in, in some of the games. The, uh, the Texas game, um, Texas came back from 15 down uh, very, very late in the game. They had to get a couple of touchdowns, they had to get an onside kick, then they had to get a a two-point conversion, then they had to go to overtime and they ultimately won it. It was amazing to see how they finished, you know, the, the desire on the part of, of those players uh, to come back, to work hard, even when all seemed lost. Um, we had a similar uh, situation, well, actually it was a bigger upset, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, who Kansas State was down by quite a bit. No one expected them to win, you know, no, especially in Norman. But lo and behold, they fought hard. They had the desire. They manifested that desire into action. And they came back and won the game. LeBron James. Gosh, how much sports does this guy watch? A lot. LeBron James in the fourth quarter last night put in, put in away the, the pesky Denver Nuggets. He had an amazing fourth quarter. I think he scored 16 in the fourth. God, it doesn't matter. He was just... He was killing it. He, would, he made like nine, nine straight points for the Lakers. He basically put the game away. And you could see it. You know, you could just, because, I mean, he's a transcendent player, but you could just see he was taking over the game. He was going to finish strong. He had that desire, and his talent matching that desire is almost unstoppable. One of the things I love about sports is that there are winners and losers, that hard work pays off, but not always. That people, even with not great talent, can work hard and become great at what they do. What I love is that not everybody gets a trophy at the end, you know, unless you're in, unless you're in fifth grade. 
<laughs> I mean, can you imagine uh, if every year before we started the football season, we just went through all the teams and said, okay, this year it's, you know, it's the Arizona Cardinals' turn to win the Super Bowl. So everyone's going to finish 8-8, eight and eight, and everybody has to let the Cardinals win. And then next year we'll pick, you know, someone else. We'll just keep going down the list. So then everybody gets to win. Everybody gets the same. Everybody gets the same amount of wins, the same amount of championships. That would be fair, in a sense. Everybody gets the same thing, like Christmas. But in doing so, you would gut really what we love about those of us who love sports. You would gut what we love out of it. That striving, that uh, dedication to excellence, seeking to overcome challenges and, and obstacles. And I think one of the reasons why sports can often capture the imagination is because that's really how life often is for us. We have to overcome challenges. We have to work hard. And that working hard befits the dignity of the human person. Just, you know, giving the human person what they want. You know, everybody gets the same thing. Socialism. Just giving everybody the same thing vacates their desire to strive anymore or any harder. If you've ever lived in a socialist country, as I have for a couple of years, um, Italy being very socialist, they, there was no striving in Italy. Everybody was, was content with their poor job, not making that much money, not being able to have children, and all of the, all of the people who did want to strive, the prof, you know, sort of the professional class doctors and you know, lawyers, etc., they would leave the country. It was a huge problem when I was there because why would you work hard to get ahead, as it were, to improve yourself, to improve your situation if it were not possible? So for God to merely hand us everything we want is antithetical to, the, to really the nature of the human person, how he created us. He created us in such a way that we have desire, that we desire to get better, that we see the good and we pursue the good with all of our, all of our strength. When I was, uh, we moved out here from Wisconsin entering seventh grade, and my dad played baseball, so I played baseball. And I was, uh, we had a seventh and eighth grade combined team, and I didn't make the team in seventh grade. I got cut. And of course, I went, went to dad right away, and I'm, I'm like, it's not fair. I was better than that guy, and I was better than that guy, and it wasn't fair. And my dad said one of the best things he ever said to me. And it's, of course, it stuck with me to this day, but it stuck with me through many difficult times. He said, give them a reason not to cut you. Don't blame the coach. Don't blame the other players. You work hard and give them a reason to keep you. In other words, don't be a victim. I never got cut again. It actually started pretty much all through high school. That taught me an invaluable lesson about working hard and achieving a goal. Not just the desire, but starting with the desire and then putting that desire into action to strive towards something. And then 
as I, as I took on, on music, that, that became another sort of uh, focus for me, and I, I strove very, very hard to become good at that. And then, you know, into priesthood and all of the education that I've had, etc. It's, it's, it has stuck with me. I don't just want something given to me. I want the challenge. That's what I desire, and I think most of us desire that as well. We desire the challenge. And with the challenge comes failure. Failure is a necessary, I think, part of life. And a lot of times, you know, parents want to save their children from failure. Don't do it. Let them fail. And then help them get up. Let them fail. Teenagers, young people, don't be afraid of failure at all. Do not be afraid of failure. Be afraid of never striving of never trying to be better, of never trying to grow in virtue, grow in holiness, uh, you know, whatever career you want to take on, growing to perfect that the best that you can. Is the, the person who is afraid of failure will never strive for excellence because excellence is so hard to achieve that inevitably there's going to be some stumbling and falling and having to get back up. In the gospel today, you know, again, Jesus is being criticized by the professional Jews, you know, the good Jewish leaders, who are doing everything right, they think. We're doing everything right. Why are you, Jesus, spending all your time with tax collectors and prostitutes and all these, all these people you shouldn't be spending time with? You should be spending time with us. We're the good Jews. Jesus had no time for them over and over and over, no time for him. In fact, he said that the people they considered bad were getting into, into heaven. They were being saved before them, which, of course, they would receive as an incredible insult. And Jesus is not saying that those people, sinners, were bad people. He's actually talking about how good they are and what do they have. Desire and a willingness to be better. So Jesus went to them. They encountered him. They experienced him. He didn't judge them harshly or condemn them. They would have never responded had he done so. But they saw in Jesus the promise of, of what they could be, that they could they could have more. You know, people get into situations like that or other situations and they make life choices and they're not unaware of their situation. They're not unaware that maybe my life could be better. And in Jesus, they saw that promise and that hope, the magnetism toward the good. But what they had most of all was that desire to allow the Lord to come into their life. And so once again, we're confronted with Jesus saying, it's not who you think that's, that's the first to be saved. And we have to be careful and say, you know, not say that, that these good Jews weren't going to be saved, but the Lord did not look upon them as the example of those to be saved because they didn't really think they needed a, a Savior at all. They didn't notice their own lack and therefore need, and then because of that need, 
they could not manifest any desire to believe in Jesus. But all of these other people could because they knew there had to be more. There had to be more. And this is really the essence of the Christian life. You know, we, we live our lives in, in this world and, and surely we want to find human solutions, but the human solutions never actually turn up all that good. And it doesn't take long for us to figure that out, that life isn't fair, the world isn't fair, and it never will be. Even the, the great ideological uh, utopian ideas of, of you know, lever, leveling the playing field and making a completely just society never work. They always end up in greater abuses. That's why socialism always ends up in communism. I mean, it's, I shouldn't say that's why. That's one of the examples. The why is a different homily. But it does because human beings searching for human, human solutions without God always fails. And so sports or whatever, the example there is the desire that a person can have to pursue excellence and virtue. And for each one of us as Christians, the ones who are being saved first are the ones who have that desire and manifest that desire into some kind of action. Some of you, there's somebody here who thinks he's the worst one here. Actually, it's probably all of us. Except for that one guy we can't stand, you know. He doesn't think he's the worst one here. <laughs> you know, we all think, we all think of ourselves, oh, I'm, maybe I'm not good enough. I have all of this, this baggage from my life. I've done all these things wrong. And even now, I'm, I'm doing the, just what I can to get to church on Sunday. And try to bring my family along, you know, and, and, you know, bring some sort of light and peace and goodness into my family. How in the world am I going to be saved? I go back to my initial metaphor of, or example of sports. It's how you finish. It's how you finish. Finish strong. The past is the past. It's over. It's done. Look with hope toward what Jesus promises us and what he will give us. And if we have that desire for him, we will in fact receive what he offers.